0: a place of standing. Lord, I ask that you would release the captives today and grant recovery of sight to the blind and set free those who are oppressed. In the name of Jesus, I want to state a case to you today. My experience of late has been as I have been walking down this narrow road into entire sanctification, I've likened it to to war lately, the bombs going off all around me, the accusation of the devil, his finger in my face constantly accusing me of sin, the accusations have come from every quarter in my life, from family, from business, from brothers and sisters in the church, from the devil himself. It's made me draw back into a place to say, Lord, where is my place of standing before you? Where is my ground to stand in the face of these attacks? What's true? What's not true of it? So as I began to cry this out to Jesus saying, I need to know where my feet are because it seems like I'm dancing on a hot fire and I can't, I have no place to stand. And I said, Lord, if you don't answer me, I feel I'm going to fall soon. I have no place to stand As this onslaught comes upon me, I feel like I'm going to fall. And the Lord began to do something. He didn't answer me right away. I've learned that when I begin to cry out like this to the Lord, I need to start watching immediately the circumstances in my life, because that's usually he's beginning to answer. And what I found was he began to quicken the word to me. There's two passages of scriptures I want to share with you. One of them is found in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. And as I looked at that, I said, Lord, this looks like a place of standing, but something's wrong. It's not complete. It's got to be missing something. First, I want to give you a definition to a couple of these words. Some of you may know this. The word tempt means to test. The Greek word is parazo, to test. Temptation is a little bit different. A putting to proof solicitation or provocation. The definition I found to be the most illustrative to me was experience of evil, temptation an experience of evil. Remember those definitions. As I began to ask the Lord, you were tempted exactly like I was, but you didn't sin. And I'm going to go over some of the the temptations of Jesus today. But this passage of scripture that he then gave me made it very clear what this was about. In James, the fourth chapter, verse 7, it says, Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So the Lord is beginning to draw a line for me. There's something in my experience that I was totally oblivious to, and I believe many of us in here are, that there was a line between temptation and commission of sin. I never knew where that line was. Remember the definition, temptation and experience of evil. Satan would come with an experience of evil and begin to impress it upon me. It was like he'd come and poke at me and I was candied glass. No place of standing, no front line of defense or offense. Because he'd come and impress a thought of judgment against a brother. Or a thought of anger. Or even a feeling, a physical manifestation of anger. Or a lust. Or a pride of My heart or lust of the eyes or whatever sin it is. He'd come and impress that upon me. And what would I do immediately? I'd say, oh my, look at my sin. Look at the wickedness of my heart. And then I would just flow right into the commission of that sin. I'm realizing as Jesus came and drew a line right down the middle of that, he said to me, Satan can't come across that line. You got to go across it. Do you know that? That when Satan comes with a temptation or a test, what's the test? We're going to talk about what the test is because the test is always the same. Satan doesn't have a big retinue. He, he does the same things over and over again. He's coming to test for one thing. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to go to Luke, the fourth chapter. Jesus has just gone into the wilderness, led there by the Holy Spirit, 40 days of fasting, and Satan comes and begins to tempt him. The three temptations of Jesus in the wilderness are very quickly this. The first temptation is Satan comes and tries to draw him, test him to see if he'd be God. Why don't you just go ahead and make these stones bread? Why don't you just go ahead and provide for yourself? How many times does Satan come to us and say, you know what? You don't have to trust Jesus. Just go out and take care of this thing. Just provide for yourself. Be God. That's the first sin that Satan tries to draw Jesus into. The next one is he shows him all of the kingdoms of the earth and says, you can have your kingdom without going to the cross. Once again, Satan comes, the greatest lie in the church today is that you can have the kingdom of God without going to the cross. So the lies are still the same. The temptations of the devil are still the same. And then the next one, he says, just why don't you go ahead and test God? I want you to know that Jesus' answer to Satan is the same every time. And the test was the same every time. What was Satan trying to get Jesus to do? It wasn't just making bread or accepting his kingdom or doing this or doing that. It was trying to bring Jesus out of his place of submission before the Father. That was the test in Gethsemane. That was the test in the wilderness. The word says that he was tested in all things like we were. This is records that we have of it. I'm sure when Jesus was healing in his ministry, the devil would come and say, why don't you heal those thousand over there? When really he was supposed to go and pray. And Jesus would say no and walk away. I'm sure the test just came again and again and again to pry bar him out of a place of submission to the father. Because the word says that is the only place of standing we have when Satan comes and begins to impress us with evil thoughts. We can either say, well, that's my heart and flow right into that sin. Or you can say, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. That's your heart. I'm not going to walk with you there. I'm in submission to Jesus. Gethsemane. Let me, let me tell you about an experience, and I am want to then talk about what happened in Gethsemane. An experience with me as of late. And I have to share this because the Lord really used this to begin to bring this revelation into my heart. I'm on the job, a very tough customer, one that is about to do a write-up, an expose on a contractor's referral service. Everything's going wrong. The machines are breaking down. My best guys are doing stupid things. They never do. Satan is just coming and attacking. And I feel that heat begin to elevate where I'm beginning to get angry. I feel the impression of anger. My temperature begins to rise. My blood pressure begins to raise. All the physical manifestation of anger comes upon me. And I realized, wait a second. I stopped and I said, Lord, the devil is tempting me right now to sin against you. He's testing me, isn't he? He wants to see if I'll rebel against you. I feel like I've already sinned. I mean, here my blood pressure is up. Here I'm getting very excited. My heart's racing. Nothing's going right. This feeling's in my heart. Have I sinned against God? Or have I just been tempted to sin against God? I simply said, Jesus, I'm in submission to you. Satan, the blood of Jesus, is against you. And all that stuff just began to go away. Now, did it go away immediately? No, absolutely not. My physiology of my body had been changed because of the experience of evil that had just been impressed upon me. Now, look at Jesus in Gethsemane. Here he is. Luke's gospel says he's sweating drops of blood. What does he see in his heart while he's sweating drops of blood? Well, first of all, his heart rate is up. His temperature is raised. He doesn't want to do what the father's told him to do. He was without sin. See, every time I've gotten into that position, I say, oh, I've sinned against God. It doesn't matter. The self-condemnation flows in. There's absolutely no place to stand against the enemy. So what does Jesus say? He says, not my will, Father, but yours. Basically, he says, I'm in submission to you, Lord. It doesn't matter what incredible experience of evil that Satan has just vomited upon me. I'm in submission to you, Father. And he did not sin against God. And another thing is, I realized, you know, this was within 24 hours of his crucifixion. And Jesus still said, not my will. Isn't it interesting Jesus still had a will? Our wills aren't supposed to die. They're not supposed to, we're supposed to die to self. See, the testimony to the universe is that our will would come into submission to Jesus Christ. Not that we'd be turned into robots. But through the struggles and through everything, we'd be in submission to him. So I know that we have been lied to as a body by the devil. He is against us in every quarter of our life to believe that we cannot be sanctified, to believe that we have sinned before we have sinned. There is a line, and I want to make it very clear, the word of the Lord for this body going into this year could be summed up in one word, it's submission. That is what will usher us in to entire sanctification. Will that do it for us? No. It's going to be a gift, just like justification was a gift. But see, right now, every obstacle from hell is being placed on that road we're traveling, and that's why it feels like this is taking so long. If we are in total submission to Jesus Christ, when the tempter, the tester comes, coming to test for the same thing every time, if we will rise up out of submission to Jesus, then there'll be another obstacle in front of you. And it's going to take even longer and longer and longer to enter into entire sanctification. Now, I believe it's just a matter of time and the work of the Holy Spirit before that blessing does come to this body. Submission then will be the only way you keep it. Submission now is the only way you're going to keep your salvation or your justification. If you're not in submission now, You'll never enter into entire sanctification, and you'll lose your justification. It's submission. It is the only thing that we have been given to combat, to draw that line against hell as it comes against us. Jesus was entirely sanctified. He was the only man to ever achieve perfect legal righteousness under the law. And he was tempted in every way, and it never stopped. As a matter of fact, he was tempted in more vicious ways than any pagan walking out there. Satan's already got them in his pocket. He's going to come with all the artillery of hell against a sanctified man and say, You have sinned against God. And then it's your choice whether you agree with him or not. It's submission. Next time Satan comes to you, and he'll come, it says, In the scriptures that Satan left Jesus in the wilderness for a season. I looked that up. My translation says for a more opportune time. But I looked what the definition of that really was. The word was keros. A time suitable for a purpose. So you see Satan's going to come around the bend again. At a time more suitable for his purpose and his purpose is this to pry you out of submission to Jesus once we get this down into our souls and realize that sin can be defeated by the blood of Jesus Christ by submission to Jesus Christ and then resisting the devil the word says you haven't or is it corinthians 10 says no temptation has overtaken you no experience of evil has overtaken you, but such as is common to men, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted or tested beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. And I believe that's where the consecration comes in. We've talked about being fully consecrated to the Lord. Until that consecration takes place, We won't want to resist the devil. We won't want to be in submission to Jesus. It's no surprise to me that in James, the verse right before it says, submit therefore to God, verse 6 says, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So right there, he's saying, look, if you're walking in any pride at all, you're never going to submit to God. There'll be no way for you to resist the devil. And he's not going to flee from you. He's going to destroy you. It's submission.